By now, you've all heard of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, the latest book published by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. It's more than just another wine book. The fully updated second edition was inspired by students of the Vinitali International Academy and painstakingly reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. The benchmark producer's feature is a particularly important aspect of this revised edition. The selection makes it easier for our readers to get their hands on a bottle of wine that truly represents a particular grape or region. To pick up a copy, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Italian Wine Podcast, a Wine to Wine Business Forum 2021 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions highlighting the key themes and ideas from the two-day event held on October the 18th and 19th. 2021. This hybrid edition of the Business Forum was jam-packed with the most informed speakers discussing some of the hottest topics in the wine industry today. For more information, please visit winetowine.net and tune in every Thursday at 2pm Central European Time for more episodes recorded during this latest edition of Wine to Wine Business Forum. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Adam Teeter, and I am one of the co-founders of VinePair. And I'm joined today by Josh, who is my co-founder in VinePair. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with VinePair, uh, VinePair is the most read publication about wine, beer, and spirits in the United States. We reach over 32 million um, people every single month. And we are a digitally native publication. So we don't do any print. Uh, everything is digital, whether that's audio, video, or written. And so today what we're going to do is share why you should be investing in your marketing campaigns digitally with uh, digitally focused publishers. So while there are lots of great publishers out there, we don't have access to their data. We only have access to ours. So that's what we're going to share with you in order to present this case, these case studies. Uh, but, you know, there are lots of great partners you can work with. We're just presenting the data that we have uh, so that, you know, we can actually show you true scale. Um, that's why you're just seeing campaigns that we've run in the past. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen and we're going to start the presentation. This entire uh, presentation today is all about why you should be investing in native digital content. Um, as I will explain and uh, Josh will explain as we move forward, right? What we mean by native digital content is it's content that's being created specifically for the digital space. So whether that's articles, uh, videos, audio, infographics, etc., this is content that really uh, exists digitally that you can access via your computer, your phone, your tablet, etc. While different marketing campaigns have different goals, right? They all share one thing in common, right? And that's that they, it runs, people did or didn't see it, and that's a wrap. What I mean by that is when it comes to campaigns you might run on television or in print, right? Once that campaign has run, so once your full page ad in, in a magazine runs, maybe it winds up in the doctor's office. Uh, and, and people can see it that way. But for the most part, after that campaign runs, it's over. You don't 
really know who saw it. Um, there's not a lot of data there for you to be able to tell. Was it seen by 10 people? Was it seen by 2,000 people? You don't really know if they took action after seeing that ad. Um, and there's no long-term life of that ad, right? The, the magazine gets recycled, uh, hopefully. Uh, the, you know, the television ad is never seen again, unless, I don't know, someone maybe DVR'd the television program you were watching or the, uh, you know, the Juventus match that you were checking out because there was a great play in the middle of it, right? And so maybe that ad is seen again, but for the most part, once those ads run, they're done. Um, and so as a marketer, right, that's really frustrating because there's no way to really prove with that kind of, with those kinds of ads if the ad really had any real value, right? There's no way to know who saw it. We don't have a lot of data there. We have Nielsen reports when it comes to TV, but we don't really know deep down if the right people saw the ad that we were trying to use to target people to grow our brand, right? In this case, wine brands, right? We don't know, you know, if people were motivated by the ad, et cetera. And that's really frustrating. But digital solves a lot of that. So when we come to native advertising in the form of content marketing, right? we see something different. And that is that although the campaign may have had a defined window, we have a benefit that that campaign actually can live on for a very long time. And so what do I mean by that? Well, first, during the window of that campaign, there is the possibility to be very active in the strategy of that campaign, in the optimization of that campaign. So headlines can be changed, images can be changed. We can really look in real time to say, is the audience we want to reach on the digital publishing platform we're working with reaching the right audience, right? Are our calls to action working? If we're asking people to go to wine.com to buy the wine, is that actually working? If we're asking people to sign up for a newsletter to learn more about our wine in the future, is that actually working? We can see all that in real time, which, you know, again, once a print ad is in print, you can't see that. But then the other really amazing added benefit, which we're going to get into today, is that digital ads live on forever. And so what we mean by that is that, you know, as a digital publisher, most digital publishers do not delete the ads once they've run. Now, I want to be very clear that I'm talking about native content. I'm not talking about display ads. So I'm not talking about the, the banners you might see at the top and sides of a website when you go to visit that website and read an article. I'm talking about actually an ad that is an article or an ad that is an infographic or a video, et cetera. And publishers, are not in the habit of deleting those articles. So what that means is that basically the ads can live on and continue to deliver a return for you in perpetuity. So as a marketer who's looking to make investments, they're really smart investments, especially if you're working with well-respected publishers. Because if you work with a well-respected publisher, you're able to take advantage of their position in the market and that is respected by Google, social, et cetera, to continue to see return year after year after year. And we're going to show you this by exploring two case studies. One is a case study that looks at a Barolo-centric native advertising campaign that Fontana Freda ran with us in 2016 that is still delivering returns. And the other is a campaign that we're currently running with Ian J. Gallo around an audio podcast. Again, to just continue to illustrate how much you're able to see continued return even after the campaign has reached its life cycle, right? So again, thinking about this from a print ad, you might buy a print ad in a publication in July, and that's when the ad ran. Well, in this case, you might have 
you know, had something you were trying to promote in July of 2016, but then that ad continues to deliver returns in August, in September, in October, in November, et cetera, on and on and on. So um, I'm going to explain a little bit about this campaign, and then I'm going to let Josh actually go into the analysis of the data. So um, if we look at case study number one, Right, we're going to look at this campaign that Fontana Freda ran with us in 2016. So they came to uh, our partnerships team and said, hey, we want to raise awareness of Barolo for our younger generation of wine aficionados. So we want to use an article as a way to you know, educate millennials, who are the, the vast majority of vine pair readership, about Barolo. So in order to solve this problem, we created an article that was really a guide to everything you need to know about Barolo as a, as a young wine drinker. And we used Fontana Freda as the current, as the example in every situation, right? So we kept pushing Fontana Freda's wines throughout this article that was really an, you know, intro to Barolo, right? So they, they paid for the intro to Barolo, which weaves them through that entire intro, right? So it continues to reinforce Fontana Freda as a really amazing wine for people who are interested in drinking Barolo. Um, but it also provided value, right? So you did learn a lot. Besides just learning about Fontana Freda, you learned a lot about Barolo in general, right? So it serves two purposes, and that's why this article continues to perform well today. So post-campaign, right, because of our... So our position as a respected publisher, the article took a top position in Google search results on the first page when you search for Barolo. Um, Josh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's either first or second at this point in time. Uh, so now, throughout, you know, five years later, anytime someone in the United States is looking for Barolo and looking to learn about Barolo and searching for Barolo, there's a huge possibility that they land on this article, which is in fact an ad, where they learn about Barolo, but they also learn about Fontana Freda. So if you think about that in terms of an investment, the returns are insane, right? Because you are continuing to gain returns on an article that you bought with a budget you had in 2016. So that's why advertising digitally is so interesting, because you can really think about the digital campaigns you're running as much more long-term investments than just, this is the budget I have for this year, I need to spend you know, with my beautiful photo shoot, et cetera, you can continue to see returns year after year after year. So I'm gonna let Josh jump into the, the data around this to really illustrate the point I'm making. Yeah, so what this chart shows is the cumulative um, number of people who have ever read this article. So as you can see, back in uh, October of 2016, the article was published while uh, we were working on another part of the campaign with Fontana Freda. As part of that campaign, we produced an event for them um, in New York City to again bring in that demographic and around then that was the window sort of Adam was talking about of when it was published pushed to an initial audience and I should also stress we were um, only uh, about two and a half years old at that point we were a much smaller publisher back then um, so what you see though over time is a very steady relentless rise month after month after month for almost five years of people continuing to find this article, read it, and go down, you know, get their introduction to Barolo in being framed by Fontana Freda. So to this day, um, the article ranks on the first page for dozens of really high value search queries, um, you know, from Barolo, Barolo wine, like learn about Barolo, um, on and on and on. Um, and as you can see in the chart, it is very, very steady. It just keeps rising. 
thousands and thousands of people every month um, for five years have continued to find, read this article, and as they begin their journey to drinking Barolo, Fontana Freda is who's welcoming them in. Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local food, and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show. And so again, just to you know, to stress here, this is this is results you you'll see when you work with established publishers like us, like other people in the space that have you know this sort of editorial authority that you know, is then recognized and allows these articles to continue to deliver value year after year after year. So you know, cumulatively, what's really amazing, right, is that this has been read by almost two hundred fifty thousand people since this article was published. That's insane results. Those are specific numbers that we can give that you can't you can't get from a print ad or from a commercial, right? So we don't know how many people actually watch the commercial that you might have read, you know, you might have paid for or Yeah, and it's a it's a good thing to sort of frame this number in that remember these people aren't looking at a, a banner ad. If this was a banner ad, we could have deli- you know, those are numbers you can deliver overnight if you have scale. But this is people who actually sat down and spent time, minutes, to read an article. Um, much, much higher impact and much more difficult to see the kind of scale you're seeing here. Yeah. Versus, again, a display ad, sure. You know, you can spend, you know, a really untargeted CPM a couple bucks and blast out 100,000 display impressions that no one will remember the next day. Whereas this, someone spent, again, the time to read this and really dig into the topic. So I think, you know, it's important for you as, as marketers to really think about it as, and we'll illustrate this in the next example as well, in the next case study. But, you know, if you look at this growth chart, this is what we see with the majority of campaigns that we run on Vinepair. We obviously wanted to do Fonts on Afraid of because it is, you know, it's a campaign that ran so long ago that we wanted to show that even since 2016, it continues to deliver uh, results. But that also, you know, you can see that these really are investments. And I think as marketers, as we're moving more digitally, it's important to start really thinking that way. I think, you know, we used to be taught that like everything was campaign focused. It was like, you know, we we have a year long campaign and then we strategize for the next year and we scrap everything we've done and we move on to something different. But what digital allows you to do is really make long-term bets and to take positions that are, you know, lucrative for you. So. You know, Fontana Freda welcoming a young generation of wine drinkers into the world of Barolo is really impactful, right? Like there's now 250,000 people in the United States who have read this article deeply and now know the name of this wine. That is incredible results for the amount of money that you would have paid in 2016. So you amortize that across what six years of the life of, you know, this article being live. And it's like pennies on the dollar compared to what you would spend if you're taking out a print ad that then is, you know, winds up on a doctor's office, you know, reception desk or in the recycling bin. So the second um, case study we're going to go through, and I'll sort of explain it and let Josh jump into the data again, is um, a ongoing sponsorship we have with E&J Gallo. So together with E&J Gallo, we produce a podcast that's now about to be in our third season uh, called Wine 101. And the entire purpose of this podcast is to educate American drinkers about wine and 
help serve Gala's mission of winning new friends to wine. So since its inception, this has become the most listened to wine education podcast in America. Um, and each season consists of 30 episodes that dive deep into specific subjects, whether that's how to taste wine to everything you need to know about Chianti or, you know, everything you need to know about Barolo, things like that. And each episode is sponsored by Gallo. They have ads at the beginning and end of each episode and their products are weaved throughout the episode. So if we're talking about, um, you know, Amarone, then Allegrini, which is a, a, a wine that is brought into the United States by Gallo, is discussed as one of the examples during that episode. If we're talking about Napa Cabernet, we also talk about Louis Martini and the winery that they own there in Napa. So it's, it's very seamless, it's very organic, uh, but we're very upfront that this is a co-production between us and Gallo when we release this podcast. And the podcast just continues to do better and better and better each year, uh, each month. And what's amazing about this podcast, which Josh will explain, is that it is a podcast that, again, is evergreen. So the very beginning uh, episodes that aired in the first season are still some of the most listened to out of all the episodes because people discover the podcast and then go back and download everything else, listen to every single episode. So it continues to deliver returns for both us and Gallo month after month after month. Yeah, so this chart, um, you know, we're gonna look at three charts. This one shows uh, the number of monthly listeners. Um, and so this is uh, a bit different than the previous chart. It is not a cumulative chart. It's showing the, the monthly audience. Um, and you can see it's a fairly straight line of the audience growing month after month after month. Um, the only little dips you see in there um, is in January 2021. We took a, a break between the first and second season. But again, showing the power of how much people kept finding the first episodes and starting their journey. The dip was barely perceptible. And then in August, um, what we did, we took a half month break and you can't even see a dip because the podcast kept growing a larger and larger new audience as again, people kept coming in, starting their journey. And I'm gonna quantify that for you in the next uh, slide. Yeah, so I think, you know, what's interesting to see here that's different than um, the last example we gave, the Fontana Freda example, is Fontana Freda is a one campaign purchase, right? It's like you bought one house, that's it, and then it returns for you over the course of its life. This is like continuing to buy houses in a neighborhood, right? So you're, you're investing every single month in more and more and more content, which delivers a different kind of return that you know is also very advantageous. Yeah, so we have two charts here. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with the podcast market in the US, um, it's evolved quite a bit over the past two years as Spotify has begun to focus a lot on podcasts. So we wanted to do is break out the charts um, illustratively from September of the most listened to episodes on Apple Podcasts and the rest of World of Podcasts and then Spotify. Because the platforms do have different dynamics and it's something that you know, we have deep insight into as a publisher of podcasts for many, many years. Um, so you'll see uh, in the first chart, three three of the top 10 most downloaded episodes um, outside of Spotify were from the first season. They were episodes number one, two, and three. Spotify, where you have um, more algorithmic driven discovery process going on, 
um, you can see that those early episodes actually dominate the top 10 as the podcast is accelerating the number of new people it's bringing in on Spotify. It's doing that on the uh, outside of Spotify as well, but on Spotify, the platform dynamics are making it even faster so that you have seven of the 10 most listened to episodes, um, eight, about 18 months after it debuted, are the first seven episodes. Those people are presumably going to go on, and we've seen this behavior now for months and months and months, to listen to the vast majority of other podcasts uh, in the series, uh, which is closing in now on close to 70 episodes. So, I mean, I think you know, what we, we wanted to try to drive home here from these examples that we've shown is that, you know, as we're continuing to become more of a digitally native society, it's really important that as marketers, you think more about digitally native content and think about them as lasting investments, right? So while there are lots of ways to spend your marketing dollars, um, you know, we obviously would encourage you to think about digital content as a way to make deeper investments. So, you know, the, the core here really is that you want to buy something that appreciates instead of depreciates, right? So the best example I can give is for all of you that own automobiles, right? You know that the second you take that car off the lot, it begins to depreciate in value. That's the same with a print ad or a television commercial, right? Whereas with a digitally native ad, it actually can appreciate in the same way as a house. And it can, you know, deliver returns for you year after year after year, which is why we wanted to show you data that we never really show anyone. Um, you know, again, it's very important that you just work with a respected publisher. That does not have to be Vine Bear. That can be lots of other publishers in the United States. Um, you know, but publishers that have authority and respect um, and that do understand and are digitally native. So we would say that the best guarantee for your return in working in the United States digitally is working with a publisher who does digital first, right? So a digital first publisher, because they understand, you know, how to create content that then will deliver the kind of results that we're showing today. Um, but I think, you know, it's really important to have in your arsenal when you think about, you know, what you plan to do in the U.S. and how you plan to achieve goals, and not just the U.S. at this point, you know, in all of Europe and, and most of Asia, right? This is the norm in terms of how you're able to market. Um, but if you if you think about your marketing budget in this regard and that the stuff you're doing digitally can be seen more really as deep investments, like building, you know, an extension of your winery, as opposed to one-off spends, I think you'll wind up getting a lot more for your dollar, uh, and it'll make you think a lot differently about your marketing campaigns in the future. That is uh, our presentation. Thank you guys very much. It's been great. Sorry we're not there this year, but we will, uh, we will see everyone hopefully next year. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cheat, cheat.